As a faith community, uh, we've been gathering now for 17 months, which is kind of really short, kind of long. It's kind of, it's a bit of a in-between kind of time. Um, and so I was thinking about that this week and, you know, we've got, we've got lots of stuff kind of written about who we are as, as a faith community. There's kind of an articulated framework. Um, we talk about our culture, we've got a central scripture which comes out of John uh, chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 uh, which in the voice translation says this, so I give you a new command, love each other deeply and fully, remember the ways that I have loved you and demonstrate your love for others in those same ways. Everyone will know you as my followers if you demonstrate your love to others. So we've got a central scripture and then out of that scripture we have an articulated vision statement or a statement of our future which is will be known by our love and then we kind of describe what we're for we describe our values we talk about how uh, we're a people of relationship how we're a people of good news how we make room for each other um, how we join God in the renewal of all things how uh, we are creators and contributors of culture how we're for the common good uh, we talk about how we seek to live and, and how we communicate. There's uh, obviously a bit in there about uh, generous conversations, having conversations with a posture of humility and inquiry and grace and love and encouragement uh, and integrity and peace and justice. Um, and when it comes to doctrine and belief, pretty kind of straightforward, pretty pared back on that. We're sort of big on what unites us rather than what divides us. Um, and we kind of have a bit of a rhythm now. We, we have a bit of a rhythm to our gatherings and all their kind of control chaos, I guess, is probably the best term for it. Um, but frequently, uh, the thing that keeps kind of coming up, those who, who visit our community, those who keep coming back, um, all sort of comment that conversation um, and our willingness to kind of have potentially difficult conversations, although I often go away disappointed most Sundays that the conversations that I thought were going to be difficult weren't that difficult at all. Um, but it's conversation is kind of uh, constantly identified and it's kind of celebrated as this point of difference uh, for us as a community. Um, so knowing all that and having said all that and kind of uh, experiencing all that, this evening, I still kind of want to discuss the question, what does it mean to be found? And I want to kind of raise that question, not just what does it mean to be found as found the community called found, um, partly yes, but also kind of what does that mean potentially just as an average punter on the street? And so for me, when I was trying to kind of distill that question into a single sentence, I came up with this. So for me, to be found is to belong. It's kind of it for me. Um, doctrinally, Tim Keller, I don't know if you know Tim Keller, uh, theologians in the room, uh, Dion would know of Tim Keller. Um, we kind of disagree on a lot, not that he knows me, but I disagree with him just kind of in my reading of him. But uh, I find that his writing actually is quite universal and for whatever reason it his doctrine doesn't seem to translate into that. And, and I really enjoy a lot of the stuff that he writes. Um, and he has this quote that I love, and I think I've shared it before, but I just want to share it briefly with you again. And he writes this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved 
is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, it humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And so I kind of hold on to that as what belonging and what being found is about, to be fully known and truly loved, to belong. The thing about belonging, at least in my experience, uh, is that finding belonging can be really difficult. It's really hard. Um, being fully known and truly loved is complex. And uh, in many ways, it's very much a lifelong journey. Um, and part of that challenge, I think, in, in finding belonging is that what is often thought of as belonging or to be belonging or communicated as belonging is actually not. It's not. Um, and so I think that we can confuse, uh, particularly as a church, but also just individually, confuse many different things for a sense of belonging. Uh, we can confuse enabling dysfunctional behaviour for belonging, whether that's um, codependency or uh, supporting someone to maintain an addiction or uh, being trapped um, in a violent or an abusive relationship. Um, none of those things are belonging in my understanding of the word, as particularly healthy belonging. Uh, and, and people who remain in those relationships um, can often feel that it's belonging because it, it gives them that sense of being part of something. Um, and it's difficult for them to concept life outside of those relationships. But I think just because we're part of something doesn't mean that we have this true sense of being valued and, and belong. Um, it doesn't mean that just because we have connections or we have relationships that they're healthy, that uh, they're loving, that they're in our best interest. So I think we can confuse uh, dysfunctional behaviour for belonging. We can confuse uh, conforming for belonging. Uh, I come from a church background where uh, if you didn't turn up pretty much every Sunday, uh, your faith was questioned. Um, and more than that, kind of your place in the community w was almost jeopardised. The rhetoric kind of from the pulpit was family and the rhetoric was belonging. Um, but the practice and the culture was, was probably more akin to the mafia, I think. It was kind of like the, the practice and the culture w was much more about conformity and, and compliance. Uh, and... Uh, having to conform or feeling pressured to conform to a particular way of thinking, to a particular uh, belief, to, to a particular behaviour, um, having to fit a certain mould, to me, is not belonging. Uh, the, the call or the cry often was kind of unity, um, but the intent and the purpose was really compliance. Dare I mention it? We're kind of seeing that with the Australia Day debate at the moment. Whatever, where, whatever your position is, um, what I've noticed is that uh, discussing the potential merits of changing the date is, is framed as disunity. It's been framed that way by political leaders. Uh, you know, we need to be unified as a nation. Let's not change the date. My read of that, is what they're really saying is that we need to comply. Don't question. Just stick to the status quo, just maintain what we do. You know, people are also in that conversation being told to get over it, to move on. And mostly the first peoples of this nation are being told to get over it and to move on. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, and it's my observation out of that over many years that, that when people are kind of just told to move on or just get over it, that uh, it's often a statement that's made by the privileged to the less privileged because the privileged are concerned that their power is being threatened in some way. That's my observation. So for me, uh, belonging in a spiritual, theological and a community context is about three things. And for me, they're also modelled and framed through the lens of Jesus. And so the first thing is inclusion. I've been doing some work um, with an organisation called the Institute for Canadian Citizenship. Um, fantastic organisation based in Toronto. And, and I love their positioning statement. Um, I'm going to steal it, and I've told them this. But um, their positioning statement is very simple. It, it, it says, uh, diversity is a reality, inclusion is a choice. Diversity is a reality, inclusion is a choice. And inclusion for me is really kind of the first step to belonging. Inclusion is many things. It's an invitation to join in. It's a recognition that, that everyone has value, that everyone should be able to participate in social, cultural and economic life to the fullness of their ability. Um, but it's also not just an invitation, it's about uh, the removal of barriers. It's, it's about the removal of prejudice. It's about uh, putting systems and frameworks in place that ensure that people who are traditionally excluded are not only included but are actually supported to participate. And so what we see uh, in Jesus' life is that he included the poor, that he included the vulnerable, he, he included the ex excluded, basically, and he included even the enemies of his time. He, he included beggars and lepers and Samaritans and... Uh, women and, and children and Romans and tax collectors and um, women who were thought to be adulteresses and fishermen, people who primarily were kind of considered to be of little importance and, and certainly lower stature. And so for me, uh, belonging is firstly about including people like Jesus did. The second uh, is loving people like Jesus did. Jesus didn't just include people. He loved them. He, he lifted them up out of the dirt. He, he embraced them. He healed them. Uh, he encouraged them. He listened to them. He prayed for them. He inspired them. Uh, he challenged people to, to live better, more purposeful lives. And uh, more than anything, he, he served people. And, um, you know, read through the Gospel of John, but also 1 John, that the life uh, and the experience of, of Jesus inspires John to write that God is love. Like his experience of Jesus was just like, you are love. You, you embody love. And so uh, inclusion not only kind of invites and facilitates participation, it, it's really underpinned by this kind of posture and heart of love. Uh, so including people like Jesus did, loving people like Jesus did, and then kind of the third and final thing for me is, is really around uh, mobilizing or releasing people like Jesus did. And so what we see is that Jesus didn't just kind of draw people in or gather people unto himself for uh, the purpose of having a massive following, having uh, a huge Twitter account, not that it was around then, but he could have if he wanted to, uh, having the largest gathering on a Sunday, although you know, he could have, again, a gathering of 5,000 men plus women and children 
is pretty impressive today, let alone kind of two millennia ago. And so um, more than that, the reason that Jesus kind of included and drew people in was uh, so that people could realize their potential, so that people could realize their purpose, so that they in turn could kind of go out and, and do similar things so that they could include people and they could love people and they could bless people. You know, greater things uh, than these, Jesus says. Uh, go into all the world, Jesus says. And I love too that he wasn't precious. You know, people, uh, people didn't need to get Jesus' ministry endorsement uh, before they kind of did stuff and they were sent out. You know, we read um, how the disciples come to Jesus in a bit of a tither. You know, they're, they're stressed out, you know, and they're saying stuff to him like, Jesus, people, people are doing stuff and, and uh, it's good stuff and they're doing stuff in your name, but it, it's not really officially covered by Jesus Ministries International. Um, what do we do? Is that allowed? You know, they haven't got your kind of imprimatur to go out and do that stuff. And Jesus' response basically, my translation here is, is don't panic. It's all right. If they're not against us, they're for us. And so kind of in my reading of, of Jesus' way of doing things, you know, belonging is not about owning stuff. It's not about controlling everything. It's about including, loving and releasing. You know, so many people that come uh, in and out of our community, which I love, and I think of people like Amy over in Hungary and Joe and Isaac and Murdoch and uh, Jackson and Eleni and Brendan, um, beautiful people. We don't often see them. Uh, they live in other states or, or they're traveling the globe or they live in other countries. Um, but they have value. We love them and we love what they're doing. We love what they're doing, where they're doing it. And they belong, you know. They are found, at least to me. And so to be found, for me, is to belong. And I think that this really is kind of the good news that Jesus talks about and that he reveals. The good news is about belonging. It's about inclusion. It's about loving. It's about releasing. It's about... Uh, the broken made whole and, and the poor and the oppressed set free and the stranger welcomed and the lost found. And so my prayer for this week is, may you be fully known and truly loved. May you belong. May you be found. Amen. Amen.